You're listening to the Metal Ireland Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking to a guy who it's fair to say is one of the biggest names in metal right now. It is, of course, Matt Heafy from Trivium. They're going to be playing the Academy in Dublin in June, so I tracked him down for a bit of a chinwag, and I found a guy who thinks a lot about his music. You know, rock interviews in magazines and things like that, they often look really glamorous and full of fun, but I'll let you into a little secret of the trade, it is rarely like that. The way these things go is that you usually get a rock star who's tired and bored and really hasn't got much to say for themselves. It can be really, really hard getting an interesting thought out of any of them. In Matt Heafy though, I found a guy that was the opposite from that. He's just into things, he's got a lot of really good observations about his own music and the way he does things. Now last year, Trivium put out their latest album, Vengeance Rising, which I thought was pretty good. It seemed to me to have a lot more energy and colour in it than the one that went before, that was In Waves. It just seemed more fired up. So that's what I began to ask him about. It's funny because a lot of bands are, are, as you say, embracing that minimalism, uh, largely due to the influence of Meshuggah, it must be said, um, and, you know, just taking one, maybe an offbeat groove or, or some sort of pummeling kind of uh, rhythmical sort of, I don't know, trick and just going with it. Do you think that's maybe taking away from bands' sense of adventure sometimes? Because it's, it's, it's actually quite a simple thing to fall into. Yeah, I mean, I think, the key to life is moderation. I think any time anyone goes to any extreme with anything, um, whether that be, let me try to relate this for something I know really well, food, for example. Um, obviously, some people have dietary restrictions due to not be able to eat certain things, but I think if someone were to eat too healthy all the time, they get one chance where they can indulge a little bit and they're going to overdo it. I think the same thing with music, with creating music, with writing music, with listening to music. If you're too extreme into one thing, too extreme into just minimalism, or too extreme into just technicality, something's going to fall to the wayside. So it's really important to to use things when it's called for, to be tasteful with everything you do, to be tasteful with minimalism, be tasteful with technicality. Now, obviously this was produced by David Draymond, and I guess for many that mightn't have been the most obvious choice for you guys. I, I suppose whenever one considers what other producers you know, are, are kicking around at the minute, you know, we've got the likes of Andy Sneap or Neil Kernan, people like that. What made you go for David Draymond? Draymond's always been a fan of the band. Um, he's been a fan since 2005. We originally met him back in the Ascendancy days, and he just happened to be at a Chicago show and said, hey, um, I'm a big fan of the band. Nice to meet you guys. And that kind of blew our mind because he's in a wildly successful international touring band when we were just a tiny little band doing our third tour ever. I gave him a copy of In Waves when we did Mayhem together. He told us how much he loved it and said that he'd love to work together with us. When we found out later on that he'd done a lot of the production work with Disturbed, it seemed very natural to go with someone who 
not only was a producer, not only was a singer and a vocal coach and a songwriter, but someone who's actually a fan of the band, someone who actually wanted to work with the band. I think that, that's important. I mean, I'm not saying we, we've worked with producers that haven't wanted to work with the band, but I can't imagine wanting to work with a producer that doesn't want to work with us. So the fact that David really wanted to work with us made it all the better. Yeah, it's sort of the idea of having a producer just clocking up the hours is pretty much hell on earth for any band that cares about their music. <laughs> exactly. Well, look, you mentioned there, uh, obviously, that David being a vocalist himself, uh, you know, has obviously you know, resonated with you. One of the things I notice about uh, Vengeance is that the vocal mix, if you don't mind me saying, it is a little odd in as much as the vocals seem, and I remember listening to it at the time and thinking, the vocals almost seem a little divorced from the music somehow they're very very separated in the mix was that a conscious choice and when you're looking back on it now is that what you were going for or have i just got it completely wrong no no and i think that's correct too with even the, the playability of everything is naturally being i consider my guitar uh, myself a guitar player first um because i picked up guitar first i never really felt that comfortable in singing up until a couple years ago especially now nowadays i feel more comfortable as a singer than ever with this record when i first started writing the vocal parts i did what i always do i write the rhythm guitar parts first and then i create vocal parts that basically sit on the rhythms of what the guitar is like if you take the song like like the flies for example the guitar part my vocal part is exactly the same as that and i started doing that as usual and david said why are you doing that and i said well because i have to play and sing you can do it if it's harder and i say no i can't he's like watch i bet you can so it took me a really long time at first but he dared for me to come up with rhythms that would lock in sometimes with the guitar part but could also stand completely on its own a song like brave the storm was one of the hardest songs i've ever had to learn to play and sing due to the fact that the vocal part is its own rhythm outside of the guitar part so yeah that's completely accurate and now that I know I can do that, now that I know I can play rhythms that I used to think I wouldn't be able to play and sing, it opens up a lot more possibilities for what I can do. Have you beheld how our ending may fail? We are the catalyst engineered hell. The death we've sunk into the violent things we do. A cleansing tide would eradicate all of you. How did you think when an apathy is strange? So it can let things have their own rhythms instead of everything being locked into one rhythm, the vocal and guitar part. Now they can have two separate identities going in and out of each other. Yeah, it's funny because some bands actually never reach that that point of being able to do that. Yes, it's thanks to David. I, I never, I didn't think it was possible. I was like, dude, it's not possible. He's like, watch, you'll see, you can do it. That was what was really cool about him. When anytime we'd say something we can't do because we thought we were uncapable of something, uncapable of something technically, or I thought I was incapable of singing a note because it was too high or a vocal part because it was too too difficult. He'd always encourage us, you can do it. You just have to try harder. And we, we nailed it. Absolutely. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, what one of the best songs on here, and I think this is by, uh, I think everyone who's heard the album now pretty much agrees with this. I, I think No Way to Heal is definitely the standout track. It, it just sounds very, very fired up. Um, what was behind that track? Because it reminds me of a lot of classic metal. You know, I can hear even, you know, Gamma Ray and stuff like that in that. It really is vintage <laughs> stuff. But, I mean, what, what was behind it? That track, I, I feel like, is a, a good direct link in between... Hmm, let me think. I definitely see a lot of ascendancy in that track. I see a lot of ascendancy in the fact that there's so much dual guitar harmonization going on. We do that on every record, but I feel it more so 
it reminds me of kind of what we were doing on, on Ascendancy for like the, uh, the dual melody style stuff. Um, that's one that just fell together really naturally. We've been playing it live, it goes incredibly well live. It's just full of really big hooks. I think the pre-chorus is just as much of a hook as the chorus and the verse is just as much a hook as the previous two. And that's something we didn't do much before. I mean, if you look at a song, I'm not flagging the record by any means, but if you look back at Ascendancy, our, our hooks were primarily always the choruses and, and sometimes the pre-choruses. And with this record, even the verses are catchy. So like No Way to Heal's verse is a catchy part. Not catching the like a pop sense, but in a way that someone could easily walk away from it humming the melody to themselves. So I think it's I think it's good. also features you know quite an incredible guitar solo i mean it really is it really is an amazing piece of guitar a really fluid uh you know fast and fluid and exciting piece of playing i mean i've i've, I've seen it mentioned just on you know on, on on metal ireland's forums people say that Corey is maybe one of modern metal's more underappreciated guitar talents i mean do you think that's the case what do you think about a comment like that i i do feel like um you know, with Ascendancy, we were kind of like the press babies for certain territories, mainly the UK. You know, there were, on Ascendancy, people were saying, oh, this band is going to be the next big thing. And as soon as the Crusade came out, those same magazines were saying this band is over. So I feel like for that one moment, we were kind of like a press band. But ever since then, we've never really been a press band. We haven't really been, um, you know, one of those bands that's heralded by journalists or other bands alike. You know, there's certain bands that they're, and namely so, they, they totally deserve it. Like, Meshuggah is a band's band. All bands talk about how much they love Meshuggah. Even we do. And there's there's movements of bands inspired by that band. Um, I think that we've just never quite been one of those bands. We've always been a Tribune fans band. So it's always, we always get the accolades strictly from our, uh, strictly from our supporters and our fans, but it's never really been so much from media or from other bands since the Tennessee which is just the way it is. I think there are some bands that are their fans' band. Like, you look at Iron Maiden, for example, they're a band that, yeah, nowadays they're obviously heralded by the people that should be heralding them. 
but I feel earlier on in their career, it was all built up purely of just their fans' word. It's it, it's very very interesting, and I mean your your idea about Mashuga is the right one. They have defined a style, and uh, you know they're appreciated for that. Um, it, it's funny because you've you know you've you've done your growing up as a band. I mean, you guys have done your growing up in public in many ways. Um, you especially being you know, just at the forefront of this. I mean, you know, you are a bit older now. It's a fair bit down the line, 14 years or whatever down the line now. Um, what have you learned about that growing up process at the front of the stage in public? Uh, and what would you change looking back? I've definitely learned it's one of the hardest things a band can do. Um, a lot of bands had their first records come out when they're my age right now. Um, a lot of the modern metal bands that are you know, kind of the kings right now all had their first record come out at my age right now. We've got six records out now. So it was very difficult growing up in the public eye. It's very difficult figuring out how I wanted to look, how I wanted our videos to look, how we wanted to perform as a band, how stupid things down to obviously haircuts how to figure out how to look in press and how to look in videos. And, you know, when you're being pulled in different directions by taking label advice and advice from other people and advice from people who think they know what they're talking about and, and all the while you should have been listening to yourself, I, I think that I wouldn't change anything. There's nothing I would change. I'd leave it exactly the way it is because it showed me how to be now. And the, the best way to be in a band is just to be yourself and not try to attach to a movement not try to look like you're part of something. Um, definitely not try to rebel against yourself, which is something I've done multiple times throughout Tribune's career and just myself, but I'm glad I did that. Um, and nowadays it's after doing it so many times, after uh, not, not so many times the rebelling against itself, but after doing that in the past, it's, it's not something needs to be done now. It's something that I've, I've realized who I am as a musician and what Tribune is as a band. Without those mistakes, I don't think I'd know any of that stuff. But I, I'm definitely seeing younger bands now getting the shit ripped out of them, getting the shit kicked out of them for the same kinds of things I do. Talking brash, talking cocky. And it's all part of growing up, and I think that that's one of the unfortunate taxes of being a younger person who has the spotlight on them. It's interesting. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, it, it is interesting. I mean, you, you're talking very honestly, and one can only imagine that if you're about to do sort of 40 interviews today, like 39 of them will ask you, you know, why have you cut your hair again? And it, that that's the stupid level that it does <laughs> come down to, you know? I mean, it's exactly, sort of... yeah. It, it's nuts, yeah. I mean, if I, I just posted a picture of myself in my junior year in high school, and I had super long hair, I was wearing a black metal shirt, and that's like right before recording a sentence. And so sometimes I wonder, it's like, oh, if I left that, I wonder if the perception of a sentence would have been completely different from everyone. You know, would have, we have just been thought of as just another metal band, just like an 80s rehash band. Because that, it, it, it's so ridiculous. And nowadays it's just like, it doesn't matter to me. So I just do whatever I feel like. It, it's very interesting. I mean, way to go, a, a lot of people will, you know, I mean, obviously you, you, you've been all over the press and photos here everywhere. And, um, you know, you're always wearing the Emperor uh, Nightside t-shirt. And um, I'm just kind of wondering, um, you know, there's no, there's no musical influence from Emperor uh, in Trivium, but do you think there ever could be a day where maybe there could be? Or do you think that there is? Or, or do you just love what they do? Or, or, or is there something about that band that really speaks to you? I mean, for me, ever since... Uh, there were years where I took a break from wearing band shirts just because it was one of my growing up phases of trying to rebel against myself. But 14, 15, 16, 
all I wore were black metal shirts. All I wore, like 90% black metal, and like 10% melodic death metal and death metal shirts. That's like really all I own, and I'm back to that again. I have all my shirts. 